I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. In today's fast-paced world, balancing work, family, and personal commitments can be challenging. This can cause discouragement and lead us to expect that we will always be exhausted and overwhelmed. But guess what? It doesn't have to be that way. I'm excited to bring back to the podcast Crystal Payne. She's the founder of themoneysavingmom.com. She's the host of the Crystal Payne Show podcast and a New York Times bestselling author. She's here with us today to talk about her new book, The Time Saving Mom. In it, she shares expert advice and strategies to help you regain control of your time, enjoy your life, and accomplish what matters the most. In this episode, she shares her four-step system for managing time, explains to us why habits play a big part in our success, and how an intentional morning and evening routine can change everything. So whether you're struggling with time management or feeling overwhelmed by your responsibilities, this episode will provide some practical advice to help you achieve balance and success in all areas of your life. Welcome, Crystal. It is fantastic to have you once again back on the podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for asking me back. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? I realize that you probably answered this before, but just give us an update. Like, what is your family known for? I believe it's changed a little bit since we last spoke. And so tell us all about you and your family's culture. Yes, I was thinking about that when I saw the questions. I was like, well, a lot has changed in the last (laughs) So we, I think the last time I came on, we had four children and now we have six. And so I think our family has become a little bit known for in the last two years. We are, we just finalized a special needs adoption. And Mm -hmm. so that was something that we never planned or envisioned or sought out. But as foster parents, sweet little David came into our lives about almost 23 months ago. And we just fell in love with him. He has Down syndrome and he had a severe cleft lip and palate and a feeding tube. And there are just so many things that we learned in a short amount of time, but God just worked out a lot of details that I read about in my new book to lead us to adopt him. And then four weeks after we said yes to adopting him, found out that I was expecting again. So so I think a little bit we're known here in our area for the family who has all the little children because (laughs) yeah. Two, two and a half year olds and then a seven month old. But also I we are still known for the family who also has a low grocery budget. So mm-hmm. I think online I'm more known as that. So yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. So like you said, you're typically known as the money saving mom, low grocery budgets. So what inspired you to now write a book about time saving? Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was starting the process of considering writing this book, just looking back over the last many years of my life, I'm 41 now, and remembering that when I was 18 years old, I stood up at my high school graduation and gave a speech, not because I was a valedictorian, but because (laughs) I was homeschooled. And so when you're homeschooled, you graduate at the top and the bottom of your class and you can give a speech at graduation because it's a really small graduation. Anyway. And my thing that I wanted to share with everyone in the audience and have them remember was that time is short. And so I've always been really passionate about 
using time intentionally since the time I was a teenager. But when I started blogging on moneysavingmom.com in 2007, which feels like ages ago. I know, I know. I feel like I remember you at a loom years ago. Yes. I don't know if it was Harrisburg or or the one after that, but that's a long time ago. But when I started blogging about that and just really encouraging people to use their money intentionally, I also recognized that, oh, there's a lot of people that were saying, well, I don't have time. Like, I don't have time to think about saving money or making things from scratch or using coupons or, you know, looking at the sales at the grocery store or budgeting because I'm just barely keeping my head above water. And so I started sharing on Money Saving Mom about ideas for using your time more intentionally and just sharing lots of things there. That was years ago, but over time, it's just kind of something that also people have looked at me and said, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? And especially now with six kids and three under three and three teenagers and one with pretty severe special needs, you know, and just how are you doing it, but also doing it from a place of joy and rest and not feeling frazzled. And so Mm -hmm. this book really came out of that, of just a desire to encourage women that you can juggle a lot. You know, there are a lot of books out there that are kind of telling you, here's how to simplify and, you know, be a minimalist and all that. And I actually keep life very simple, but I think that there are many seasons in our life where we are called to juggle a lot. So how do we juggle a lot? but also enjoy our life and really accomplish what matters most. And so that's really what the Time Saving Mom is all about. Yeah. So you begin your book by sharing a four-step program for managing your time and your life. Can you briefly tell us about that system? Yes. So it's funny because it's not something that I was like, oh, you know, I have this four-step system that I knew as soon as I was going to write this book. But it was kind of more as I was just talking with different people and really just you know, thinking through what would I share? If I were to share, what are those principles and strategies and routines and rhythms that help us to, you know, our family to run well and also to have breathing room? I decided that there is a system, but it's not one that I'd ever been like, oh, this is my system. But in the book, so I outline it and I like alliteration. And so it's the four Ps and it is to... First off, you need to pray. And I I should say you get to pray, actually. And just really that reliance upon the Lord and starting from that foundation. A lot of time management books are just jumping into telling you all the how-tos. But I really feel like for me, the foundational principle of my life is Mm -hmm. relying upon Jesus and looking to Him and trusting Him. And so I really outline in the book what that looks like. You know, it's easy to say, trust Jesus, rely upon Him, look to Him. But practically, how do I walk that out in my everyday life? And so I talked about flare prayers and about starting my day from a posture of prayer and reliance and how I pray over my day and pray through the details of my day and just really hand it over to God. Secondly, prioritize. In the book, I share about my six times two priority system where we only have two hands. And so I feel like we can hold two priorities at once. And so instead of trying to do all of our priorities every single day, and then feeling like we're failing to just pick two to focus on per day, and then rotate those so that over the course of the week, you have spent very intentional time in each area of your priority. I like and that. so I kind of tell you, walk you through how to decide 
what to prioritize, what your priority areas are, and then how you can walk that out in your week so that you're not feeling overwhelmed, but you also are really intentionally investing in those areas that are priorities for you. And then the third P is to plan. And so we've set the foundation by reliance upon God and then deciding, pre-deciding our priorities and then to make a plan. And so this is my Google Calendar and also my time block to-do list. I have this hybrid planning system that has helped me so much to be able to have a lot of different irons in the fire with working full time and six kids who are very involved in lots of different activities, plus a lot of therapies and doctor's appointments, and then also being able to have time for investing in our community and relationships, which is something that is a big to our family as well. And so what that looks like to walk that out and then to prep, this is where then you've you know set that foundation and you've made that plan. And then how do you actually walk out that plan? And so I walk you through my habit tracking and also then I walk you through morning and evening routines and how these things really help set my day up for success. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I am I am all about practical steps. <laughs> For sure. So you mentioned plan. So part of plan involves creating habits and tracking them. So can you just share with us a little bit more about habits and what does it mean to track them and how is that beneficial? So, so often we will, you know, set these big goals, like, you know, we'll say, I want to get out of debt or I want to lose weight or I want to get more organized. And, and that's great. But if we don't actually have a plan for what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and when we're going to do it, there's a very good chance it's actually not going to happen. And so for me, I like to set goals that are specific enough that you know when you've achieved them. So not just, I want to get out out of debt, but I want to pay down, you know, $10,000 in the course of this next year, or that might sound too audacious. You're like, I want to pay down $3,000, but giving it a specific number and a time frame. But then how am I going to take that big goal and break it down into bite-sized pieces? And so I like to break it down into monthly and then weekly and then daily. So for instance, this year, one of my goals is to read 52 books. So to read, instead of just saying, I'm going to read 52 books, I broke it down to, I'm going to read one book a week and finish one book a week. That includes audiobooks which I'm a big fan of, but so then breaking that down even further. So how am I going to actually finish one book a week? Well, what am I going to do every day to help me get toward that goal? And so on my habit tracker, which is just a simple checklist that I have specific areas. So I have 11 areas that I'm focusing on. I have listened to an audio book for 30 minutes and read for 10 minutes. And so if I do that consistently, pretty much every day, I am usually going to be able to finish a book every week. And so taking our big goal, making it very actionable, and then breaking it down into daily bite-sized pieces, that's for me really where I feel like you change the trajectory of your life. So in each of the areas where I am focusing on, I actually have specific habits for every single day. And then I'm tracking it on my habit tracker so that it's keeping me you know, on task of seeing like, how am I doing this week? And I try to have five check marks per line. And I don't shoot for seven because 
you know, none of us are perfect, but five check marks per line per week. And then I'm able to really make some progress in each area that's really important to me. Yeah. And I'm a visual person. So I find that anytime I'm kind of ticking those boxes, not only does it keep me on track, but it gives me, it makes me excited. It gives me incentive to like, make sure I'm ticking all those boxes. I mean, my fitness app, it has, um, you know, like I, you know, set four days a week is, you know, what I'd like to do. Cause then I do, you know, four days of strength training, one day of tennis, but like, I get so excited because at the end of those four days, it like shoots up confetti. <laughs> It lets me know I did it. And then it lets me know, okay, you're on week six. Okay, you're on week seven. And that is so motivating to, like you said, break it down into bite-sized pieces and then just keep track of it. And and yeah. I think the other thing about breaking it down like that is that, you know what, if you have a week that's really off, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, we'll just start again next week. Instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, sometimes it's like things feel like they really are getting off track. You're just like, okay, forget it. But when you're taking it on a weekly and daily basis, it's so much easier to stay on track because you also are seeing, oh, you know what? I didn't do much when it comes to fitness this week. Okay. I really need to make sure to prioritize that next week versus, you know what? I'm just going to give up. It's not working. Yeah. Yeah. I found it. I don't know if this is the same for you. I've also found that it helps me eliminate unrealistic expectations because when you break them down and you start to plug them into your day, you're like, oh, wow, that's not actually possible. And for me, I've beat myself up over goals I haven't achieved when indeed the season that I'm in actually wouldn't even allow that for me. Well, that is such a good point because actually, so I started out the year and one of the things that I had on my habit tracker was 10,000 steps a day and then go to bed by 1030. (laughs) And after a week of doing that, I was like, you know what? 10,000 steps a day right now, I spend a lot of time holding babies and sitting at a computer. And that would be amazing if I got 10,000 steps a day. For some people, that's super easy. But right now, for me, I actually changed my goal to 9,000 steps because I just wasn't hitting it. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather almost hit it most of the days, then just be like, I'm just never going to hit it. Cause, and so just changing that little tweak a thousand steps differently was so helpful. And I've been able to do so much better. And also with going to bed at 10 30, I realized, you know what? Sometimes I'm up late with the baby. Sometimes they all go to sleep and then I have a lot of energy and I want to get some work done in the evening. And that's just productive for me. And so giving myself permission, I change that to instead get seven hours of sleep. And then that gives me a lot more flexibility. And so the beauty of this is no one's policing this. So you can decide what works for you and you can tweak or change things based upon what isn't working. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about time blocking and your time blocked to-do list. I enjoy time blocking. It helps me to build a framework for my day, but I want to hear what you have to say about it and why you think it's the anecdote to distraction and overload in your day. Well, you were just talking about how, you know, how easy it is to set up unrealistic expectations and time blocking is a great way to help yourself not set up unrealistic expectations because I used to be the kind where I would write this long to-do list for the day. And then it would be four o'clock in the afternoon and there would still be 27 things on my list. And I just feel like I'm failing. So when I switched to time blocking, which is, you know, just putting specific times for specific actions, and I try to put the most important priorities earlier in the day, 
I realized that I couldn't try to cram in 36 hours of work in a 24 hour day because you would recognize that as you're writing out your time blocks. Oh, it's 4 p.m. and there's still 27 things that I want to do. And there's no way that's going to happen. So something's going to have to get moved to another day. And that's been really helpful for me. The other thing that I love about it is so I do it before I go to bed and I really outline in the book how this works for me and how I look at my Google calendar and use that to kind of brain dump everything and mm-hmm. then take that and turn that into an actionable plan for the day. I call it my time blocks, like my brain on paper, but I do it before I go to bed and it helps me sleep so much better because then I know I have a plan for tomorrow. All I have to do is just get up and work the plan. And so I'm not in bed thinking of all these different things and and my brain just swirling all over the place because I've already brain dumped everything and turned it into an actionable plan. And so I can just go to sleep because I know tomorrow is going to work. Now, does it work perfectly? No. But one of the things for me with time blocks is that I actually allow a lot of wiggle room. So not only in the individual time blocks do I try to pad them with extra time, but I also add in at least two to four hours of just completely free time every day. So it's usually near the end of the day where it's, I just don't plan anything because I know that interruptions are going to happen. I mean, I have three teenagers and three little, little ones. And like last night at 1245, <laughs> my senior was needing me to help her with the, her thesis. And she, you know, And I was so grateful to be able to be in a space. That's why I do this. That's why I use my time intentionally so that I can be available for that sort of thing. But padding my day with extra time allows me to have that wiggle room so that when someone needs something, so that when yesterday there was a diaper blowout and then my son who has a feeding tube, he pulled the feeding tube out and disconnected it and then just like... took it like a shower and just sprayed it all over the place. And so then he was covered in his formula. And so I was dealing with both of those. And had I not had the padding in my day for interruptions, I would have felt really frustrated. Like this is not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But when I allow that breathing room, then when the interruptions come, it's like, oh, I plan for this. Like Mm -hmm. I totally have time for this. And I know that by doing this, you know, I can focus on this thing where I'm at and not worry about the other things later on in the day. Oh, that's so good. Cause that was going to be my next question. Like what happens when things get pushed back? But I think you said two things that were important that I caught one thing that you put your, your biggest priorities at the beginning of the day, which I kind of figured out that's probably what I should start doing because I feel like there's always one thing. And it's not because I'm not even like I'm disciplined. I sometimes I set timers, but like just this morning, my daughter's like, mom, I don't think I'm going to go into school right away. I'm not feeling well. And now it's all of a sudden I have to drive my son to school. So it's like everything gets pushed back and then I tend to beat myself up. But I, so that was the answer to that question. <laughs> and then just the, and giving padding. Yeah. Into the day. Another thing that I'll mention that's been really helpful to me that for some people might feel like that's that's like overkill when it comes to work. But I oftentimes, and I write about this in the book, will rewrite my list halfway through the day. So mm-hmm. I will have a plan for the day, but then halfway through the day, if there have been a lot of unexpected interruptions, I will just think, you know what? Not all of this is going to be able to happen this afternoon. But if you put your most important priorities first early on in the day. Then when you get to the afternoon things, a lot of them for me can be like, well, you know what? I can, I can do that tomorrow, or I'm just not going to do that all. Or I can delegate it to one of my kids. I do that a lot. (laughs) I feel like, you know, our teens, they could help a lot. And so delegating 
as you know, is something that can be helpful too. But rewriting it halfway through the day, just kind of when you're feeling like things are just getting a little bit off, just mm-hmm. sit down, take the five or seven minutes to rewrite the rest of the day and then get back on track. And yeah. there's just something about that. It kind of resets everything. You kind of fresh start. And it's so worth investing that little bit of time to reset yourself for the rest of the day, because I find that I get so much more done when I do that. And I feel a lot less stressed about it. Yeah. I often find rewriting the list help me helps me well, reprioritize. I can pick out those things that what's left for the day, what's the most important. But also by midday, I don't have as much I lose that sense of urgency that everything has to get done. I'm a little bit more laid back. I feel good about what I've already accomplished. And then I can sort of look at that list with fresh eyes and not feel the pressure to get it all done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you take a moment to talk about morning and evening routine and how that plays a part? You mentioned your evening routine about how that's when you time block for the following day. Talk about those routines and why they're so important. Yes. And I think, you know, sometimes we try to overcomplicate. And so just keeping it simple. That's one of the chapters in the book is make it easy. So how can you make it easy? And so just saying, you know, what are the three to five things that if I were to do this every single morning in the same order, similar order, it would set my day up for success. So for me, that's simple things like spending time in God's word, getting on the treadmill or getting a short workout, even five or 10 or 15 minutes, just getting my heart pumping makes such a difference and praying over my day. And then also pouring in some encouragement. And so a lot of times I will be on the treadmill for just five or 10 minutes. I'll read just a page or two from an encouraging book. I will pray over my day and then get my heart pumping at the same time and then go upstairs and just dress for the day that I want to have. So getting myself ready, filling myself up, getting my heart pumping, and then giving my day over to the Lord and just resting and relying upon Him, that just sets my day up for so much success. And it's simple things that don't take long, but they make such a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. So talk to us about, as we wrap up, the, uh, the mindset shifts that really need to take place before we take back control of our time. So as I was thinking through, what are those things that make such a difference for me. And it really starts with mindset. You know, you can set up all these great plans. You can prioritize, you can make your morning and evening routines. But if you don't have the right mindset, you're probably not going to follow through with it. And so often we buy the books or download the apps or, you know, set up the systems thinking that that's going to change and that's going to fix it. But we are the ones that have to change. You know, (laughs) we are the problem, but we're also the solution. And so for me, take ownership. You need to take ownership of your life. And what do I mean by that? Well, I found that so often when I'm sharing online about saving money, for instance, I talk about this in the book, how oftentimes I have shared about our grocery budget. For a long time, we had a $70 grocery budget and I would just be sharing about it. Not saying everyone should have a $70 grocery budget or you should really do exactly what I do. Just completely just sharing about our grocery budget. Immediately, I would get so much pushback from people saying, well, we could never have a $70 grocery budget because you know we live way out in the country. We don't have great stores or we eat all gluten-free or I have five teenage boys or, you know, and, and they're just giving me all these reasons why they can't instead of thinking, well, okay, so we couldn't do that, but what can we do? And so taking ownership means saying instead of I can't do that, 
What can I do? So I just really challenge you. I've challenged myself as I go throughout my life. Am I making excuses or am I taking action? And the action might feel like, well, it's just a little bit, but a little bit is so much more important and going to get me somewhere than just sitting there and making excuses. So take ownership. Remember that you are the problem, but you're also the solution. And then secondly, to make it easy. So we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. So how can I make it easy? In the book, I talk about just simple systems that we have set up to make it easy. For instance, I only have a few outfits and I basically just rotate them and wear the same kind of outfit most every day. Always fix my hair the same way. Always use the same five makeup products every day. Eat a similar lunch every single day. And for some people are like, that sounds really boring. And that's fine. You don't need to do that. But what in your life is in an area that it's like to you, it doesn't really matter. So make it easy. Simplify. Find a really simple system for that that you can just do so that you can eliminate decision fatigue and that you can save energy for other areas. And then finally, fake it till you feel it. Um, <laughs> for me, I feel like so often we think, well, you know, I'm not that. Like, I'm not an organized person. I'm not a runner. I am not a person who is good with my finances. I don't use my time intentionally. If we sit there and just say that, we're never going to get up and take action. But if we pre-decide, you know what? I might not be great at this, but I'm going to start choosing to act as if I am. And feelings follow action so much of the time. It's not, we don't do something because we feel like it. We do something when we act on it and then the feelings follow. And so where in your life do you need to stop saying, I'm not this, or I can't do this. And you just start saying, what can I do? And I'm going to get up and act as if I am an organized person. What would an organized person do? Well, I'm going to start acting as if I'm organized. Now that might mean that you're, you know, that's not going to mean that all of a sudden you're going to become this super type A person, but we can learn from people who are more naturally organized and start to act as if we are. And that's going to change our mindset and change our perspective and also probably end up changing our life. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. There's a lot there. And I think that all of that really matters when it comes to making new habits and changing things. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so excited for our listeners to read your book. It's called The Time-Saving Mom, How to Juggle a Lot, Enjoy Your Life, and Accomplish What Matters the Most. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to get to share with your audience again. You can find Crystal at moneysavingmom.com. She's on Instagram as The Money Saving Mom. I'll link to that, plus where you can find her on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube, as well as where you can get her book in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.